Hey guys, I'm Desiree and you're listening to season two of God's Little Treasure podcast. I am so excited to share with you that today's episode is an interview with my very good friend, Brazan Avery, who is a wife, she's a student, she's an advocate for children's rights, she's a podcaster, a writer, and she's going to be sharing her story about how God transformed her life and healed her relationship with her adopted mom. This is an episode you're going to want to take notes or you're just going to want to get a cup of coffee or whatever you drink and enjoy it. So we started off this conversation with Zan sharing her favorite Bible verses. Listen in. So my favorite verse is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, and it reads, Or do you not know that your body is a holy temple, is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And one of the reasons why I love it is it's from the Heidelberg, well, it's from the Bible, but the Heidelberg Catechism has a question and answer number one. And it's basically like, who's your only comfort in life and death? And it's that it's God. You belong to God. He's your only comfort. And I literally use that as a memory every, almost every single day whenever I get nervous, whenever I have a presentation or anything like that. It's like, no, I am not my own. My only comfort in this life and death, in life and in death, is God. It's just a good reminder for me. That's a really good reminder. You know, it's funny... You know, I, I wrote it on a post-it, put it next to my desk. It's just that, you know, I keep reminding myself because the the mundane, the, the the routine of the day could kind of take you away from, you know, the things that you just write in the Bible. So I, I need this memory to kind of remind me, like, no, I'm not doing this because I'm trying to please my boss, because I'm trying to please anyone. I'm doing it because for the glory of God, because he's my only comfort in life and death. Wow. And so... That's my favorite scripture at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and guys, you guys don't get to see Brazan's beautiful face, um, or you don't get to see us. But um, she was holding up a post-it and basically saying that that is the like she looks at that daily as a reminder because sometimes you know things get lost throughout the day, and you need to have that tangible thing to be able to pick up and kind of look at and read. So she had a yellow post-it with her scripture on there. So what is your other one? Oh, it's Romans 14, 7 to 9. And it's practically the same thing, but I like really? how they say it in a different way. You know, what's something that comes to my mind is when you pulled up that scripture, sometimes yeah. when we tend to ask people their favorite scripture, it's like this, the one that's well known that everyone <laughs> knows, you know? And when you said the first Corinthians, I was like, I don't know that one by heart. What is that one? So I love that. You know, it's kind of one that's not always highlighted because sometimes we get stuck on just the scriptures that we hear or that's painted pretty, you know, with on Pinterest. So that's really nice to see another scripture. And that one's so like reminding us that like we're not our own, you know, like it's it's yeah. cool. And you know, I, I love that you mentioned that because I think when I first came to faith. I was looking for that favorite scripture and I did use like the most popular one. I was like, oh, that's my favorite scripture because it's the most popular. Everyone likes it. And, you know, just as I started reading the Bible, um, you just, it honestly changes from season to season. But right now, that's just my favorite scripture because I'm struggling with truly reminding myself daily that I am not my own. I'm not doing this on my own or for myself. And, that, and Romans 14 Seven to nine mimics the same seven to nine. Let me find it. Okay. And it says, for none of us lives for himself and none of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For this is end, for to this end, Christ died and lived again that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. And it's practically saying the same thing, but I like how they said it here. I like it both ways. And I love how God kind of, because when you go through the Bible, a lot of things are said um, the same, but just with a different, you know, a different tone or a different like 
I don't know. I just feel like for, like, every different person can understand it. Like, you may get the context from the first scripture. I may understand it more from the second. But it's almost kind of like God has a way of, like, being um, just intentional with us and repeating things. Because sometimes we don't, we need to, like, reread things, you know? Definitely. I know I do. (laughs) I, I love that. Um, this question is kind of similar, but you may have a different answer. I'm, I would love to know what scripture are you currently leaning on? Uh, um, it's a psalm. Ooh. Psalm 103. 103? Yeah. Verses 3 to 4. Let me pull it up also. Psalms 103. You said 1 to 4? Uh. Three and four. Three and four. 103? Yeah, 103. Three and four. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Oh, sorry. I read four, but not three. So three is who forgives all your sins and heals your disease? Who redeems your life from the pit and and crowns you with love and compassion? Yeah. The reason why I love that is because it speaks about forgiveness. And I know, um, I think it's so fitting. I'm learning how to forgive. And I think today we'll touch on it some more because we're talking about healing. And I think forgiveness has a lot to do with healing. Oh my gosh. I have to just personally say, I'm really excited about this interview because I feel like in many areas of my life too, I am I am looking to learn how to forgive and to, you know, to forgive because it's just, it's such a like weight you know, like when you have so much unforgiveness and you have offenses and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't really, it's very easy for us just to say we're offended or someone did us wrong, but we don't really talk about like the process of forgiveness and what it really looks like. Or like us, sometimes we hurt other people and what it looks like for them to forgive us as well. So like, oh. I was just I so excited. <laughs> oh. Yeah, talk about it. I would love to know, like, how did your childhood impact your relationship with God? Like, were you always a Christian? Did you always believe in God? Like, where did you start? Um, I think that's such a loaded question. It is. So I guess I'll break it down a little bit more. Like, how did you know about God? Like, did you grow up in a Christian background? Did someone tell you? Yeah, I grew up I grew up in church, I guess you could say. Like, I always went to church on Sundays. Um, but I think I was just going for the sake of routine. Going to go because it's something that I always did. And then it wasn't really, it wasn't until I got married that I started to actually open the Bible and read it and have a devotional and have a quiet time with the Lord. And, you know, there's a saying, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And um, I really started to grow. <laughs> it was like, oh, it's true. People weren't just saying it because it was a rhyme. It's true. You can, you will grow when you read your Bible and pray every day. It's so, yeah, it's so true. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really is. I'm curious to know, like, what were your thoughts about God as a child? Did you just maybe not have thoughts or it was more like this is, you know, what we do, like out of routine? Yeah, definitely out of routine. It was something that I just did just to do. But I think I remember a particular night when, and we'll touch on my story later, I I think, but there was a particular night when I didn't have a place to kind of rest my head. And I was a child. I was probably 11 years old. And I somehow just like walked to the lady whose house I used to live at. And she graciously allowed me to stay there. And she could have very well not have done it because it would have been kidnapping. <laughs> but she was like, it's it's raining. It's it's like a rain snow. Um, it's January, super cold. Come and stay the night. And I slept in the bed with her between her and her husband because there was nowhere, nowhere else for me to sleep. And I just remember that night thanking God, like quietly, like praying and like, 
tearfully saying, wow, God, you're so good. You blessed me with a place to stay for the night. So I think when I look back at moments like that, although I say I was just going to church to go, I had a relationship. I understood that this doing was because of the Lord, not because I just randomly knocked on her door and she was gracious to me. It was God's doing. Wow. That's beautiful. I mean, I mean, you, you can definitely see God's hand in that, like being out in the cold and someone just being, you know, Gosh, yeah. gracious like that. So that makes me curious to know, like, what is your, your foster care story? Like, what is your, what was your childhood like? Well, um, I entered foster care for the first time when I was 10 years old. It was for, you know, the traditional abuse and neglect. I had been ignored by school attendants for months. And then it finally, I finally popped up to school with like a bruise on my face. And they were like, oh no, you're being abused. Let's put you in foster care. And so I stayed with um, my aunt for about a year. And then I went back home because my parent did all the parenting classes and was eligible to get me back. But then a few years later, I went back into the system because the routine continued, the abuse and neglect, neglect continued. And I practically stayed in care until I aged out at 21. Um, and if I want to talk about church throughout the time, you know, when I lived in Jamaica with my grandma, it was a requirement to go to church. Like you have, there's no, it was no, if buts or maybe you're going, it's Sunday, we're all going to church. And so when I came here to live with my dad, he wasn't a churchgoer. So I think at first I was nine, right? So I couldn't just say, hey, I'm going to this place. Come if you want. He's the parent. So I think for about a year or two, I submitted to that. And, you know, I was respectful about his wishes to not go to church. But as soon as I turned 12, I was walking down the block trying to find my own church, Um, you know, because I just wanted to be a part of a church community. I wanted to grow within the Lord. But I was a weak reader. You know, I wasn't the best at reading. In fact, whenever I picked up a book in public to read in front of a group, this pit in my stomach would take over and I would feel almost like, you know the feeling when you're a kid and your parent calls you and tell you, don't go to bed because you're going to get a beating. And the whole time until they come home, you're like, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my gosh, yes. The things parents say, you know, now that I'm older, I'm just like, why? Why put me in agony? <laughs> right. I, yeah. That's the feeling I felt whenever it came to public reading. So when I went to the, the church that I was going to at 12 and they wanted me to read and Bible study and, and prayers, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. I'm out. They, I can't be exposed in this way. So I kind of neglected church for a second. But when I moved in with um, my other foster mom at 16, for her, again, it was a requirement. You have to go to church. So I just went to one. At this point, it was like, fine, if you want me to go, I'll go, but I'm not going to take anything. And I was rebelling. You know, you want me to do it. So for that, I'll go, but I won't. I don't care about anything else but to just show up. When I turned 21 and I aged out of care, I found I neglected church for a while, maybe three years, but I somehow found my way back into church and started to go on my own until I got married and I really started to go in faith. I really started to fellowship and understand that the church is not a building, it's the people. Like really started to understand what it meant to pray for people and then pray for you and be there for them and grow in fellowship and read your Bible and pray with others. You know, I remember at one point um, last year, you and I did a Bible study, and that was probably one of my first year actually doing a Bible study. You know, I had no no desire to do that before. So good. I'm curious to know. Um, I know I didn't write out this question to you, but you talked a lot about kind of going to church as a requirement. What did What do you think that did? To, like, did it in was it helpful for you? Was it push you farther away from God? You know, because I'm realizing when I talk to people, there's a trend of like just going to church because it's a requirement as a young person. 
like really, you know, having a relationship with God. Yeah, I think it's both ends, what you said. Um, it was a, it was a requirement because God allowed it to be a requirement, right? So yes, they said it's a requirement, but he's allowing that to happen. So at one spectrum, sure, I felt rebellious and sure, I felt the urge to neglect church once I, once I um, got old enough, but I can't deny that I was still learning. I was still growing, right? I was still hearing what they were saying while I was there. And so after a while, that desire to go to church still came upon me because I, although it was a requirement, I was still growing in faith without recognizing it. Well, that's really, I never thought about it that way, Brazan. That's so good. Like, because I hear sometimes, a lot of times people say like, oh, because I was forced in church, it kind of like pushed me away. But now when you say it like that, I think in many ways, God was planting seeds, whether you realized it or not. He was. <laughs> that's like, whoa, that's, I never, I never thought of it like that or heard of it like that. So yeah. I, mean, the, I can't deny that people have terrible church experience. You know, people have horrific yeah. incidents that happen to them at church that causes them to never want to go to church again but i think even in that god allowed that to happen for his good for your good and i think that's when you think about that and you remember that it makes you it softens your heart a bit and make you want to come come back home you know come to him yeah do you mind if i skip a little bit all over with these questions because i feel like you're chatting about a few things and I was thinking about asking them at the end, but I feel like you're just glowing and I'd rather just like pull from it now. But I'm curious to what your answer would be to someone who's in foster care or maybe an alumni adopted or whatever, and they're kind of questioning God. You know, they might have had a bad experience or they just don't know God, but they hear a conversation like this, like God's just so good and he's transforming my life. Like where, where do you start? You know, like, you know, I think you start with a prayer. I think you start with a conversation with the Lord. I remember when I was going to a church, when the lady forced me to go <laughs> when I was 16. And one of the pastors said, sometimes when she don't want to be outed for being a Christian, she goes into the bathroom and just pray to say a quick prayer. And that always stuck, that always stuck with me. And in a weird way, I started doing it. And in a weird way, my relationship started to grow because I was having this communication with my creator. Wow, Brazen, I didn't know that story. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. So are you saying basically it, it just starts with a simple prayer and it doesn't have to be grand? No. Thank you, Lord, for lifting me up. Lord, I confess this. Lord, please supply this. Simply. Um, recently I learned of this Bible, this prayer where you do acts, A-C-T-S, and the, the A is adoration, who is God, Heavenly Father in heaven, you know, who is he, then C is confess, you confess your prayer, you confess your sins, you ask for forgiveness, um, T is what are you thankful for? Right, and that S says, "Please supply me with this." It could be something as simple as act, the axe prayer. Done. It could be "Thank you, Lord," and that's it. Wow, such so a simple conversations. That's it. So I like to challenge you a little bit more. Now I started to pray. You know, I'm praying in the bathroom. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm praying other places. I'm trying the axe thing, like anything else. Like. Yeah, read your Bible. Get to know who God is. Open Ooh. the Bible and read more about him. You know, we live we live here in the States where we have access to the Bible. In other states, it's a crime. You get caught with it and you know there's punishment to be there's there's punishment, there's repercussions for it. And so one of the beauties of living here is that we have access to the Bible. You can get it on your phone, you can get it in person, you know, you can get it on on the computer. Just open the Bible and read. I think to add another step to that, what's really important is becoming a part of a church, having a, a church community. 
I think that's really important as well. So pray, read the Bible. Who is God? What has he done? You know, how does he command me to live my life here in this sinful world and become a part of the church community? Oh my gosh. Um, and I'm just curious, like, what do you mean by community? Like, what does that look like? I think it's just going to church. Going to church and getting to know who the people are at church, becoming a member. We talk a lot about this offline, about uh, <laughs> social anxiety sometimes and being an introvert. So I'm curious to know, kind of like, what do you do when you're an introvert or you, you have a little bit of social anxiety and you're thinking about a community or it's a little bit intimidating? Like, well, we, we've spoken about this a lot and <laughs> I struggle with social anxiety like you won't believe. <laughs> well, you know, myself as well. Just, huh, um, that's hard. And I think I struggle with it because I'm in my head, because I'm overthinking how they will think of me. And really, it's not about me or them. It's what God has commanded us to do. So I think it goes right back to prayer, which is something that, that I do when I, whenever I'm struggling with social anxiety. God, please give me the strength to just say hi to this person, to ask them how their day is and really care about them and not about me. Just be curious about who they are and how I can serve them. That is so good. And you know, it's funny because I'm beginning to get connected in a community as well. And I battle a lot with um, social anxiety and being an introvert. And I have to say, I'm beginning to notice Kind of like when you come out of yourself, because a lot of times we're tending to think like, oh, did I say that right? Did I do this? Did I do that? A lot of times the, we, we think the other people are thinking that. And they so have no clue. They have no clue. And also like they want you around, you know, mm -hmm. I would have to say, and I know every church is different, but for the most part that I've been in community, people have seen me as a valuable part of community and I see them as a valuable part of community. And I stress on that because I feel like a lot of times when we're in, when we have foster care experience and we've been rejected and stuff like that, we tend to not be able to see we are, we are our value. We're, we're adding value as well as we are receiving value. So like, it's like a, it's a, you know, like it's an exchange in a community, you know, like you're wanted. You know, and I feel like we yeah. have to hear that. Like people want, people are excited for your arrival. People are excited to hear like what you have to add to the conversation or what you'll bring, you know, like community is just, I, I mean, Roseanne, I feel like you have great examples because you are really connected in your community. You um, know, and it took me a while, which you just said to recognize that you guys actually want me here. Like, you value what I have to say. You value that I care about you. And it took me a while to really believe that, you know, I was wanted in a certain space. And so once I recognized that and took that off of that pressure off of me and just started concerning myself about this person and what they have going on and just not focus on me, who cares about me? I care too much about me. Let me care about me <laughs> and care more about you. And once I did that, I realized that I was actually blessing others and not so focused on being hypercritical. Did I say that right? And don't get me wrong, just this past Sunday, I did it. So, you know, it was still a big struggle, but I'm saying I'm not recognizing that it's not about me. That's so good. And I have to give another example because I was hanging out with community on Sunday. And when I got home uh, between Sunday and Monday, I kept just saying in my head, like, oh my God, did I say the right thing? Did I say the right thing? Did I say me all day? Was I too free? You know, like, but um, those are challenges that, you know, we can even talk to God about as well. And he can work with us. Like we can pray about anything like Roseanne said. So, ah, oh, yeah, that's such good, such good information. So today we are focusing on your story around um reconciliation around your mom you and your mom's story mm -hmm. and i yeah. would love to kind of 
get a background of like how God did this great thing? Well, first I want to say that I have multiple moms. You know, yeah. for a long time, I'm 20, I'm about to be 28. For a long time, I always felt like I just need that one mom when I had so many maternal figures in my life that I completely disregarded. Cause I was like, it's weird. I have too many moms. This is weird. Um, and I just want to say the three moms that I have, if that's okay, if it won't take up yeah, too much go time. for it. So I have my biological mom who birthed me. I have the woman who is my forever mom, who basically adopted me at 21 and has been in my life since then and been a great mom to me. Um, and then I have a mom that was about to adopt me. And I told her that I didn't want her to adopt me because I wanted this other lady to adopt me. And she has been so committed and has reached out to me every Sunday after church just to check in. Wow. Whenever I call, she's like, Kristen, I'm so happy to talk to you. She's just, you know, she's been really uh, there for me. Isn't that such a good feeling to just hear the excitement of someone wanting to talk with you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sometimes I feel like I feel like sometimes we take that for granted. Like we don't realize how special it is until we never had it and we have it, you know? So Yeah. And I think also too, for a while I thought she was faking it. I was like, there's no way she's this happy to talk to me. <laughs> like, why does she sound so happy? Why is she faking it? What does she want? Just hypercritical about what her intentions were. And we'll probably touch on my the last year that I had. But it put a lot of things in perspective and just allowed me to help to trust people more and give people a chance. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> just give them a chance. Oh, yeah. But with my adopted mom, her and I's relationship has been a whirlwind. It has caused a lot of headaches, a lot of laughter, a lot of peace, but also has pointed both of us to the Lord. So my adopted mom had me in Jamaica and basically shipped me off to America to live with my dad. And, you know, as I mentioned, I ended up in foster care. So the the relationship between me and my dad wasn't the brightest. Um, And throughout those years, I had no communication with my mom. So I started to get this resentment for her, from her. Um, I really resented the fact that she made the decision to send me here without keeping communication going with me. I think it was in 2016 when I graduated college, I invited her to come to my graduation and something happened, she couldn't make it. And I was like, aha, that proves my point. (laughs) He's a horrible person. And then I cut off communication with her again and vowed that I would not reach out to her because she's a horrible person. And just kind of put all these labels on her without her ever knowing how I felt never expressing myself or giving her the opportunity to have a conversation with me. And then I think she reached out to me on Facebook and she said, hi, and my heart melted. This is my mom. Oh, Facebook. <laughs> Facebook did it. <laughs> <laughs> and my heart melted and I was like, hi, mom. And I called her mom, which is weird because that's a word I had never oh. used. Um, and then like, we exchanged numbers and had communicated sporadically over the years like every once in a while she'll say hi I'll say hi five months later and then she'll say hi again but I'll respond a year later <laughs> super giving her the cold shoulder and then in 2018 she called me and I spilled it all out and said you know this is how I feel and she explained to me how she felt and I said okay fine let's just move on But then in last year, when the pandemic happened, you know, we all just got scared that we're going to (laughs) die. Like the world was coming to an end, we're going to die. And she started to call me every single day. And at that point, I recognized that she had become a believer over the years. We started praying together. And we started talking about the Lord. And I was like, wow, this is not the lady that I had... um, thought she was she's a beautiful human being she's a great mom my younger siblings and our relationship you know talking to someone daily it's gonna blossom and going into two years now we continue to talk not daily because i'm in school but we talk so often uh at least once a week 
think our relationship has really blossomed in it. You know, eight there's eighteen there's a eighteen years there was eighteen years that we hadn't spoken prior to us speaking now, but it feels like those years were nothing. You know, it feels like we had been in communication this whole time. Like that's my mom. We have a beautiful relationship. Brazil oh, have so many questions. <laughs> Many questions. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is you said that your heart melted, like when your mom reached she out. She just said like, hi, and I was like, oh I'm, my God, I can't handle it. <laughs> do you feel like maybe subconsciously, like you were like waiting for that or just like what melted your heart? I'm just curious. I so badly wanted her to see me. I think for a while I was posting like a con any little accomplishment I made like I paid my phone bill I would post it on Facebook just hoping that she would see that I am a decent human being and and be interested in me so when she reached out for one I knew she had to do some searching to find my Facebook because my name my real name wasn't attached to it so that made me know that she was actively looking for me and that's the thing I, I badly wanted Sure, I put up a front that I was this tough person and I don't want a mom. I definitely don't want you as a mom. You resented me, but I so badly wanted her to reach out. And when she finally did it, I was I I was overwhelmed. Oh my gosh. I didn't know we were gonna be crying <laughs> on this, but I'm also curious to know, like you talked about you said you picked up the, like you guys had a conversation and you talked about your feelings and she talked about her feelings. Um, I'm curious because a lot of times we only know our story. So what was it like to like hear her story? Like, did it change things or put things in perspective? Like, yeah. So basically what she said was, you know, I expressed all the negative things that I felt about her and she, she listened. And I probably carried on for about an hour. You know, I had 18 years of built up anger. I had a lot to say. And then she, I think she was crying. <laughs> you know, it must have been hard to hear. And she said, you know, I was young. I grew up in church. And everyone in the, in the neighborhood said you should have never had this baby. And was very not helpful in raising you. And it was not easy trying to raise a baby on my own. I dropped out of college. I lost my job. You know, I was basically shunned for having a child. And when the opportunity came for you to, for you to have a better life, better than the one that I could give you, I, she said, you know, I saw that the life I was going to give you was not the best one. I didn't have any resources and I was going to be, not have a home. I didn't have a job. I didn't have an education. And she said when she saw the opportunity to go to this big country, she took it because she wanted the best for me. And at the time, I was so angry. I, I didn't hear the pain. I didn't hear how she truly thought she was making a, a, a good decision. And let's be clear, she made a great decision. I'm sitting here talking to you about the beauty of God because of my experiences, she made the decision that the Lord wanted her to make. Um, but at the time I was just like, but if I was 25, I would have never done that. I'm 26. I would never do that. But you know, I'm not her. She's not I. And she made that decision and it worked out. And who knows where I would be, where I would have been had I stayed with her. She made the best decision. Wow. That's, I have to process that because that's like, wow, 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 yeah. Um, you also talked about how you guys began praying together. Like, can you just talk more about that? I just yeah. myself. Yeah, when the pandemic happened, as soon as the pandemic happened in March, when it was declared that this thing is called COVID-19, everyone stay home, you could get it, people are dying, people are sick, it's crippling. Um, she called me because she had my number. I hadn't changed my number in over six years. 
So she found me and called me. And she was like, are you okay? And I said, I don't have COVID, but something else happened. And she held it together. And we just pray. She at that moment, she just prayed. And I was like, wow, she is a real. I think at that point it was like, oh, she's a real believer. She prayed. It was no encouragement, like, you know, you've been a great person, you've done it was like, no, let's bring this to the Lord. And because of the critical condition I was in, I couldn't afford to have to get COVID at the time. Praise the Lord, I didn't. I still haven't. Um she called me daily whenever I went to the hospital daily and prayed daily. I'm going to get emotional now because I'm (laughs) right. It's so new. It's going to make a year in two weeks. It's so new. But every day when I was going to the hospital, she called me and just kind of prepped me because she knew how emotional it was for me, that experience. And so just, having someone praying for me vigorously and who is my mom I know I was gonna point that out if you didn't because I just feel like there's just something so powerful about a mom I thought I wouldn't have to whip out the tissue (laughs) tell me about it like Uh, like because sometimes I've always heard people say like, oh, I'm the product of my, my mom's prayers. And sometimes I always think like a lot of us never really experience, you know, like being the product of prayers, you know, but to be able to have that experience where like your mom's praying for you, like she's basically crying out for you, like loving on you, like it's just so beautiful. Yeah. And it was, I think what made it that much more special was that every Friday she went to my grandma's house and then her and my grandma would pray. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, am I sitting on the phone with three generations right now? Like, oh I never God. thought, sure, maybe if I was like daydreaming, I would be like, wouldn't it be great <laughs> to even talk to my mom, to even know how she looks? And then to be sitting on the phone at the most critical point in my entire life and have my mom praying and my grandma interceding on that prayer. I was just like, God, God, you're so good. I had had nothing else to say but praises to the Lord. And in that moment, I understood what it meant to have joy and peace in the midst of turmoil. You know, it was just like this still peace, even though everything around me is so loud. Oh my God, Brissette, I'm laughing so I don't cry because it's just so like, wow, wow. That's just, guys, for those who are listening, like I'm hearing for the first time as well. Like I've heard Brissette's story, but I never really heard it in this element, I would say. So it's just like, it's touching my heart too. And it's just, honestly, it's ministering to me as well. Cause I'm, oh, oh my gosh, you know, it's just, I think it just gives hope, you know, even personally, cause I'm not as connected with my mom and I am believing as well that God can do that same, just turn around and flourishing. it's just so beautiful. You also talked about how you guys talk daily and like did that that grow something i'm trying to remember what you said around how you know you guys talking every day like what it did yeah i think what it's done and what it what it is doing as of late is we started off with like these serious conversations and praying and that's great you know i think it's beautiful and we've transitioned into laughing like i now know her humor she knows mine Uh you know and we share recipes because i'm new to this cooking thing (laughs) and she shares traditional recipes with me and yeah you know i think the the good part the what i'm enjoying right now is the laughing together like we're finally you know the barriers have broken they've completely broken down now and we're just laughing so 
I am curious to know because a lot of times we think a lot of times we'd like for things to happen overnight, but stuff like <laughs> this doesn't happen like that, you know? So I'm curious to know, like, like, not that you can put a time on this, because I think everybody's experience is going to be different. But what would you say was the time span between like where you guys first started and where you guys are now laughing, making recipes, you know, like. <laughs> if I had to put a time on it, then I'm so glad you sent this question in, in advance because I was able to really look it up. Um, she first reached out to me in 2014 via Facebook. Uh, 15, 16, 17. So seven years. It's been seven years of, of just, hey, and then responding six months later, and hi, and then responding a, a year later. Um, and even her saying she was going to come to my graduation in 2016, that was a big deal. You know, that was, that was a big leap on her end, and I was just so afraid that I just blocked it from happening. Um, so I think it, at the time last year, I was like, wow, this is great. She called me one day, and now we're talking daily, but... It had been years of breaking down my heart and heart towards her and um, get into a place where she could call me and I could actually tell her what's going on and find out like, oh, she's, she can pray for me. Look at that. <laughs> wow. Um, there's a few things uh, I wanna ask you about. So you talked about like the responding, like there was a time frame, like he would say hi. Like, were you the one taking a while to respond or was it both ways? Initially, it was me. She would respond, she would reach out and I would say, um, I would respond in six months. And then wow. she'd keep doing that. And then she started to back up a little bit because she's human right yeah and yeah you're, definitely you're keeping reaching out and the person is like pushing you away just naturally you're not seeing the person daily you're gonna just back off a little bit you so are. then i started reaching out and she would kind of take forever to respond and it would it would make me feel a lot of ways like see this is why i shouldn't reach out because she doesn't really care Wow. And then you also talked about her not being able to attend your graduation. So I'm curious to know, because I can imagine that was a big disappointment. Like, how did you guys overcome that? I'll tell you the story and I'll be honest, this is my first time ever seeing it. <laughs> um, and I told my mom I'll make her listen to this. So she's going to be like, oh, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but um so I had made the connection with my adopted mom right around the time of my graduation like a year before and my biological mom found out that I was graduating asked if she could come said yes got a plane ticket um said she was staying with friends in Boston and traveled to New York to come to my graduation but I felt like I had to invite my adopted mom because she, she's currently in my life so and there was only two tickets and one was already for someone else so I had to make the big decision who am I going to invite and ultimately I gave it to my adopted mom and then basically told my I forget what I told my biological mom it was a lie um something to prevent her from coming and mm -hmm. she ended up missing it because of this me okay so how were you guys able to kind of like over just overcome and move past it? Because I feel like I asked this question because I feel like sometimes we are in a space of of a relationship like getting better. And then there is something that kind of, you know, kind of shakes shakes the ground a little bit and forget it. You know what? This is why I don't, I don't need this, you know? So that's why I'm a little bit curious to know, like how you guys overcame. If you're speaking about how, 
how I overcame that feeling of, you know what, just forget it, was when I was reaching out to her and she started to do what I was doing, which is ignore it. I don't really know how I overcame that. I don't have the answer, you know. And I think, I think that's I think that's okay. <laughs> I think that's that's real, right? I think right. it's great if you could backtrack how you overcame this thing, but you know, it just kind of happened. Well, it didn't just kind of happen. It happened because the Lord allowed it to happen. Right. right. I kept reaching out for some reason, despite my disappointments and mm -hmm. her the same. Um, I just feel like, can we talk to the listeners about that? Because sometimes like we just kind of want to do a one shot deal and then we throw everything away. And I think it's more like, especially coming from a foster care and trauma background, we just tend to, we tend to protect ourselves from experiencing any more, any more hurt from that area that we might've experienced it already. So I'm curious to just know, you know, like, can, you know, how would you encourage someone who's like, there's just a one shot deal. Like if it doesn't go the way, it's planned to go. I'm just kind of over it and I'm, I'm done. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I'm still working on it. I'm reading a book right now that talks about loving others the way Christ has called us to, to love others. Ooh. And in the book, it's a guy and he's married to a wife. And um, he says he has an upstairs neighbor who's the landlord. They live above him. And um, she has a daughter and the daughter hates him for some reason. She stomps all over the ground when she knows they're home and she does these crazy things. At one point, their refrigerator broke down and the mom allowed them to use her refrigerator. And when they packed the refrigerator with all the food and they, had, they were having uh, family members over, the daughter said, I need my refrigerator. And he was like, how could I possibly give you this refrigerator, you know, I'm gonna, it's gonna ruin all the food I have. And there are many incidents that just, she just kept like aggravating them and being unloving to them. And he said, you know, my wife just really encouraged me to just be loving, to just be kind, to just respond in loving and never, never give up on that person. Don't say, you know what? They're not responding to me, that's it. I'm gonna leave them alone, no do as the Lord has commanded us to do, which is be loving, be gentle, be kind, pray for them, pray for their heart, and just keep on, keep on keeping on. And I think part of that, without realizing that I was doing that by keeping, you know, continuing to reach out to my mom, despite her flipping the table and ignoring me now, I was showing her, I was breaking her down. I was softening her heart. Yeah. And, you know, it looks like there was just uh, persistence on both ends, you know, like even between the time gap, she was still, um, you know, just still reaching out. Because I know probably me, if I would have reached out to someone and I didn't hear from them in weeks, I would have been like, well. <laughs> I struggle. I now that. OK, so now that I know that that's what I'm susceptible to doing, like I'm queen of. I reached out to you once and you didn't respond. That's it. No more. I'm queen of that. But now that I've been reading this book and I'm learning, it's like, oh, uh, now I have to actually continue reaching out and continue to be loving and pray for you. And it's hard, but that's what we're commanded to do. Oh, Sam, this is just so good. I feel like this has like, it's just feeding my soul. So I know that so many people are going to like be blessed. Um, I'm curious to know what encouragement would you give to others who are kind of in a similar space that you were once in, you know, like you, you know, because unfortunately there are some parents and young people that will never connect just because unfortunately Maybe it's not a healthy, although God can do anything. So I hate saying that you just never know. But um, for those who are in a situation where they're in a space where they have a parent who wants to do the work, who wants to be connected, like what advice would you give them 
um, yeah, like what advice would you give them? So their parent want to connect? But yeah, they're, but they're basically like the the situation basically that you went through, like your, your mom wanted a relationship, you know, she pursued it, you know, you guys had some struggles, but you still came through it on the other side, you know, so I'm thinking of a person who's maybe at the beginning stages of where you once were, like, what, I guess the better question would be, what would you tell your younger self who was basically like in stage one of repairing the relationship with your mom and you? I think multiple things play a role here. I think one of the most important ones is age, mm -hmm. wisdom, better, better word. Um, I take the relationship between me and my dad. It was a tumultuous one and it's not one that if I were younger, I wouldn't be wise to seek that relationship when he was trying to reach out to me. And so I think wisdom and guidance is helpful if you're younger. Um, seeking counsel from church members is very helpful about that decision to make that connection because you want to make sure that you're protecting yourself, you know, especially as foster kids, most of the time we end up in care because of these yeah. horrible things that have, that has happened to us. So you don't want to push yourself in a situation where your your safety is at is at a risk here. Such a good point. Now if you're older and I still I still think seeking counsel is very wise. That's why I think it's so important to be a part of a church community where you have that leadership that can really guide you through it and even go with you to see that person or be on the phone with you and you know, paying attention to the conversation that's happening because you just never really know. Mm -hmm. um, I think praying about it, though. I always go back to praying because I think it is very important. I think praying about it, seeking the Lord's guidance, is saying, God, please, just, is this really what you want me to do? Should I just forgive this person and keep on? Or are you calling us to have a relationship here? And God, please, let it be clear as day. <laughs> I don't want so and if was for maybe I want it to be clear as day if this is a relationship that is for your good. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And I feel like that as you and your mom was going through the journey, you guys were both on your own journey, you know, in healing and maturing and just going through different stages of life. Because this was from you said 20 um 20, what did you say? When we first got in touch? Yeah, like 2015 and now we're in 2021. So, you know, like you're not the person where you once started, you know, like, and neither is your mom. So it's kind of like God would, God took you guys, you guys got to grow together basically. You know, yeah. I know for me, when I reconnected with my mom, I had this whole thing in my head, like, we're going to be best friends. Like I'm meeting her on Thursday and yeah. not even Friday by Thursday within an hour, we're going to be best friends, you know, yeah. like, that's what we want. Yeah, that is what we want. Right. You know, like, but it doesn't work like that because, uh, you know, everybody goes through different life experiences. You've been through life experiences, your mom, you know, I can imagine her not being connected with you, that's a form of trauma too. So like everybody's like experiencing all these different emotions and dealing with it different, you know? So it does, it takes time, but most importantly, it takes God's hands in, in the mess, you know? And I think it takes true forgiveness. Ooh, it can you talk about that? While, yeah, it took me a while to realize what true forgiveness was yeah. until someone had to forgive me for something that I did. Wow. So I confessed my sins to them and they ended it with, I forgive you. Wow. And never brought it up, has never brought it up and moved on. Okay, can we talk so, about this a little bit? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like, how did that feel being forgiven? You know what? I felt undeserving. Hmm. 
I, I didn't feel deserving of that person's forgiveness. And that feeling of saying, wow, they really just, like, that's it? They really just forgave me? For the sin that I committed, and it brought me to the cross. And wow, God forgives us. You know, I think the Catholics got it down. They, you know, in these movies, you see these mobsters, they, they go to the Catholic window and they confess their sins. And then they end with you're forgiven and they walk out like, yep, smiling, I'm forgiven. That's it. It's done. <laughs> and they forget about it. Like, you know, they believe that they've been forgiven. Wow. As Christians, oftentimes we go to God, we ask for forgiveness and he forgives us. And that's it. He's forgotten our sins. We are, our, our debt is paid, you know, God, Jesus paid the debt for our sins already. But then we still, we still punish ourselves. Oh, yes. And we do the same for others. You know, when we say we forgive somebody, we still hold it over their head and say, you know, they're going to do it again. Or, ooh, I think it's happening. We don't forgive them the way Christ has forgiven us. Oh, that's so good. You know, something as you're talking about forgiveness, I realized that, and maybe I'm not the only person, but I realized I haven't been in situations where maybe i maybe it's happened but i haven't like noticed it but i never felt like i've ever really seen someone forgive me like or i've never seen really the process of it and it's not because like i do all the right things mm -hmm. i think that like either it kind of just went over my head or maybe growing up forgiveness wasn't something that was just like either talked about or displayed mm -hmm. You know, so it almost seems kind of like foreign. And yeah. I wonder like if young people are care, although I feel like sometimes we say like only people in care, but I think a lot of people could probably relate like of really seeing like forgiveness being played out. For sure. I mean, it's really hard to see forgiveness being played out, especially today in the world of social media. I mean, someone does something and they apologize. They literally can use the words, I, I'm asking for forgiveness. And the whole world is still accusing them, appointing them. There's no, there's no forgiveness of sins. Oh, wow. You're penalized. That's it. You've done the crime and that's it. You're penalized. And it's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. If the holy God over all the heavens and all the earth can just forgive you by you asking for forgiveness, then who made us God? Wow. I and I think the, the, the sentence that you said when you said you've never really seen forgiveness, you know, I had never really seen someone forgive me. And saying it wasn't because I lived this perfect life. I'm a sinner. <laughs> I sin daily, you know, but someone forgave me. And for the first time I actually saw it play out where my sin was really forgiven. You know, I actually believed it. And it was helpful. And now, you know, the interactions that I have with people when they ask for forgiveness, I can emulate that. Wow, that is so beautiful. And like, I need to pray for that because I have to say, like, I always say sometimes, like, my greatest gift is I have a good memory, but it's also like a <laughs> like. It doesn't, it doesn't help me because I tend to like, like, I can see someone 15 years ago, they stepped on my foot and I'm like, oh, that's the person. Not like, hi, how are you? My, my mind goes like, oh yeah, that's the person who stepped on my toe and made my toe hurt. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just praying like, God, I want to have a memory and use it for good. Yeah. All the like, you know, it's almost like I have to shift my brain. Like, why don't you think about the good things, you know, about or or, or what I do is I think about how God forgave me. Oh, that's so good. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, he knows the depth of my heart. He knows the things that I think. And he forgives, he forgives me. That, my, my sins are not better than the other persons that sinned against me. I got to forgive them. Wow. I'm still working on it. This is the one person right. that I'm struggling with at the moment to truly forget. And I haven't brought it to the Lord yet because I'm like, I don't want to do this thing. But I got to do it. 
It's so true. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, what are really the benefits of holding unforgiveness? I think it's more of a disservice to us, you know. There's no benefit. Yeah. I'm also curious to know, maybe you know, like, how do you forgive people, but then you're always remembering, you know, like, always remembering. So like, does it just eventually like you pray and it'll just go away? Yeah, I'm still learning that. Last week, I had a conversation with an older lady who walked me through the process of her forgiveness. And what she said was she asked God for forgiveness first. And of course, she still remembered the wrong that was done. But whenever she felt a ways about it, she said, God, please help me in this moment. I'm feeling this way. Remember, you know, I asked you to help me to forgive. I asked for forgiveness for this person. Please just help to soften my heart. And she kept doing it. And then she said, maybe five years later, she ran into the person and nothing. She felt nothing. She didn't feel the pain. She didn't feel the hurt. And her reason for telling me that is it takes time but you have to just say the words lord please help me to forgive this person and continue to bring it to the lord whenever you feel the way about it and you're reminded about the hurt and over time this is what he wants for us he wants us to forgive so over time he will help us to truly feel forgiven but just because we don't feel like we forgave them doesn't mean the forgiveness hasn't been done Oh my is God. what she said to me. Brazen, you got to say that one more time. I feel like we need to hear it again. <laughs> yeah, no, she said, you know, it. what did I say? <laughs> you said that we don't have to feel. It wasn't about our feelings, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she said, you know, whenever you feel like you go to, you go to God and you say, God, please help me to forgive this person. And that's it. The forgiveness has been done. You forgave the person. And whenever you feel those feelings of hurt or pain, whatever, bring it to the Lord. God, remember, you know, I want to forgive this person. I have forgiven this person. Please help me to soften my heart. Oh my God. I love that. Because, you know, this is, that's what the Lord wants for us. He doesn't want us to harbor up these cruel thoughts about this person, you know, he wants us to forgive them. And truth be told, he allowed it to happen to bring you closer to him. So do it. Draw closer to him. Talk to him. You're right. Everybody that's listening, I want us all to challenge ourselves together. Me too. On <laughs> forgiving, you know, like yeah. letting it go. You like really talk, having a conversation with God. And when things come back to our, you know, our remembrance, we 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 talk to God. You know? Yeah, I'm so glad that we spoke about this because, again, there's this one person who I was told to forgive, and I said to the person, that's too hard. I'm not doing that. And that was probably a conversation I had three weeks ago. And it's been on my mind. Like, I'm reminded that I, I need to ask for forgiveness for this person. And each time I get hardened apart, and I said, no, I'm not doing that. That hurt is too big. But you know what, I'm looking forward to our prayer because I truly want to forgive that person. Oh my gosh, Brazen. I have to say like, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you as a guest is just your your soft heart, your humbleness, you know, like, <laughs> also like, <laughs> one of my other things was when selecting people, I really wanted people that were just down to earth and that are approachable, you know, like, Outside of this podcast, if you were to email Brazan or if you were to find her on social media or whatever, you would be able to have a conversation with her just like you, like you're hearing on this podcast. Like she's just genuine and willing to, you know, just have conversations. So that was like one of my key of like finding people, just approachable people, you know, because I used to hate when I would like hear people's stories and then when I contact them, it was kind of like, would you like to just pray for those who may be listening around forgiveness? That's cool. Yeah, for sure. Heavenly Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Lord, I confess that I too struggle with forgiveness. Lord, I know that most of our listeners struggle with forgiveness. And I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to come to you in moments of of garnering this pain and hurt that we feel, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would show us just how freeing it could be to forgive, not just for our own good, Lord, but for your good. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make the lack of forgiveness um, something that we remember how sinful it is, Lord, and pray that you would just guide us and lead us to forgive. And Lord, as I pray for that, I do ask that you help me to forgive the person that I've been discussing throughout, Lord. Pray, Lord, Lord, I forgive them, and that's that. And I pray that you would just help me to feel as if I have forgiven them, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you sent your holy begotten son to die on the cross for our sins and has shown us what it means to have joy and peace even in the midst of the storm. Thank you, Lord, for friends like Desiree, how she has put together this conversation that glorifies and edifies you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will encourage her to continue to do this work because conversations like this are important to the fellow foster care alums and everyone alike. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh my gosh, Bazan, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for being a guest. Thank